podcasters. Today, I will be interviewing Kathy Delaney, Chief Creative Officer of Publicis Health Saatchi Wellness from New York City. She's here to talk about inspiring award-winning creative. And again, it doesn't even have to be award-winning. It's just about inspiring great creative. And whenever you do that, awards come out of it. So thank you so much for joining us today, Kathy. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Absolutely, Tina. So excited to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Absolutely. So let's get to the burning question. How do you inspire creative teams? You have a large team and I would love to hear your thoughts on inspiring great creative. There's so many answers to that question. And it's something, it that, <laughs> it's something that keeps me up at night. And it's the first thing in my head when I wake up in the morning. And how am I going to do that today? I think probably the the truest answer is that making sure that people feel that I'm in it with them and taking away any kind of formality to presenting work to me or coming up with work, I think is really key in getting people in a relaxed enough, confident state. Yeah. To come up with great ideas. So I try my best to really roll up my sleeves with teams and people and, and really kind of get in it with them. I love that. You know, it's really about making people feel safe in their environment. And if they can feel safe, they're going to really be inspired to just share everything. And so I find so often the best ideas come out of just, you know, a last minute thing that somebody might say in a meeting. So uh, I love that. And I think it's so important. That's so true. You know, it's so funny that you say that the last thing that someone says in a meeting, that's the best idea. There was a an incident just last week where I was looking at work for a pitch uh-huh. and I went through like four or five different campaigns that someone was taking me through. And then we got to the last slide in this presentation, literally the last slide with a, with a, with a set of words on it. And it was meant to be sort of the capper of the presentation. It was just sort of a, a slide to the client to kind of say, thank you. But within that, set of words, I saw this huge idea, this idea that was bigger than anything else that had preceded it. So we kind of yanked it from the back end of that, of that last slide in the deck and blew it out into its own campaign. And it ended up being the recommended campaign and it actually ended up winning the business, which we just learned early this week, which is amazing. I love that. And I think that that's the magical thing that, you know, the folks that are working on it are, are doing the amazing work, right? They're putting all the thought into it, but sometimes they're so mired in it that it takes, you know, you sitting from your perspective to see that, you know, and that's, that's amazing. So congratulations on the win too. I just, I love that story. So awesome. So get, can you give me an idea of like, what's the best piece of creative work you've seen in the last year? Gosh, I signed up for a lot of award show juries this year, mm-hmm. or, or said yes, rather, to a lot of award show juries this year, not knowing that they were all going to happen at pretty much the same, in pretty much the same time period. Right, so right. I have been happily inundated with some really fantastic work. And, and I think my worry going in was that everything would be COVID-related, Right. And rightfully so. I mean, it's how could it not be? But there were some some surprising standouts that had nothing to do with COVID, but still were beautiful ideas that somehow, some way got shepherded through the pandemic and and came to fruition in an an incredible way. So um, there's a lot. I guess if I have to pick one, I'll pick one that I just saw again. 
yesterday that I, I, I truly love and I, and I love it and respect it so much because it's a, it's a topic that I myself have, have tried to crack many times over the years. And okay. it's the topic of uh, gun violence and gun safety. And it's a piece of work that came out of gray. It's really beautifully, beautifully executed. And the concept is actually quite simple. And it's a, about a 10 year old kid who is doing an unboxing video with his yep. dad's gun that he found in the closet. I don't know if you've seen uh, it. No, I haven't. Oh my gosh. It's absolutely wow. chilling. And he's, you know, messing around with the gun and he's trying to get it unstuck and you're, and he's pointing it at his own face and you're just on the edge of your sh- seat the entire time. Right, right. This work is playing and the sound design is, is so eerie and chilling and it's fantastic. It's really, really stand out. Wow. Especially for that topic that's been so well covered. And as I said, even by me, it's, yeah. uh, it's something that I wish I had done. It's really fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to check that out. I actually remember, because I remember one year we were judging and you, you, we were both judging, maybe it was the Cleos. And I do recall somebody questioning whether gun violence should even be included. And <gasps> We were arguing. Remember that? Yes, I remember it because I was so emotional. I remember being embarrassed that I was like, I could, I felt so passionate that gun violence was a health issue, and I couldn't understand why this other person on the jury was 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 saying it's not. It's not a health issue, and how how am I supposed to get something with fair balance? to win an award when it's up against something pro bono for something like this. And I, I understand that point, but I think it was, it was two different points. My point was, I don't care what category you judge it in. This is an issue that health, the health industry needs to take on. Like, I agree 1000%. And I just, it's so funny you bring that up because I remember being almost embarrassed that I was so emotional about the topic at the time. I, I was right there with you. And I remember thinking the same thing is like, this is a category issue. This is not whether this is a health issue, you know? And and I think, um, I just remember that that stuck out to me. And I remember how upset you were and, and a lot of us were about it. So I'm definitely going to check out that campaign. Thank you for sharing. That's, that's great. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for, thank you for feeling my passion that day. <laughs> I, did. I did. And I do, I, I do a hundred percent. So again, it's been an interesting time. So I'm dying to hear this because I know some of the things that I've tried to do, but, you know, tell us a little bit about your experience since last March and how you've had to make an adjustment and come up with new ways to lead creatively since we've been in this whole at home situation. And afterwards, I'm curious to see if you guys are going back to the office at all. Gosh, I've, I've learned so much about how to be creative still <laughs> never mind inspire creative still yeah. it's, you know I, I, I don't think I'm a I don't think I have ADD I don't think I have that but I definitely am a dreamer and a zoner mm-hmm. and it's very easy for me to be on a long conference call and go a million different places that I shouldn't be going at that point in time right right so that is something that I've really had to struggle with to retain my focus. 
Yeah. And to be really present and in the moment on these team calls and Zoom calls. And it, it helps me if I try to factor in small breaks where I can just get up, walk away from the computer, go take a race around the East Village for 15 minutes. Yeah. Come back and sit down again and, and get back at it. But if I try to just sit here and force myself to be in back-to-back Zoom calls for eight hours, it's pretty disastrous, to be honest with you. I know. I hear you. It's funny because I move around the house and every time I get on a call, they're like, Tina, you're in a different room. You're in a different room. And I'm like, if, if I don't get out of the same spot, you know, you just kind of lose your focus, your creativity, your ability to just be present, you know? So I, that's one of the things that I do. And it's sort of a joke. Oh, Tina's outside now. Tina's on the porch. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, no, I I completely relate. And are you guys going back to the office anytime soon? We are, we're, we're not quite sure what the cadence of going back is, but right now we're looking at hoping sometime by Memorial day or end of June. Yeah. We've kind of instituted a, a three day a week. Um, and everybody can kind of make their own schedule and what works for their division. And that's been something I think is really a nice balance of being in the office and being at home and also, you know, having the ability to connect, but also realize that we do a lot of our work from home now. So we're kind of excited. We feel like that's a good balance. That's, do you find that people are all picking the same days to be in the office? What we did, we have a lot of remote folks and some of them do fly in. So we, we worked out a schedule where it's three days a week and we try to do it three days in a row. So whether it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, so we kind of had to look through at the rest of the year and work out a schedule and share it with everybody. But everyone felt good about it because it really allowed, allowed us to kind of mix up the days, but still keep, I think the three days in a row is really por- important for us because it's focus time. And I think if people are coming in every other day, it can get very, you know, discombobulated and confusing. Um, so yeah, it seemed right now we we're going to try it out. We're going to go back starting June 1st in that capacity. And uh, everybody's kind of excited about it and everybody kind of aligned that yes, if we're going to be back in the office, it, we should be together on those days and they should be three days in a row. So we'll see. I'll let you know. <laughs> Where is your office? Our offices are in Cranberry, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I live in Bucks County, so I'm probably about 30 minutes away. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a nice little commute for me. You know, I would say since COVID, we've hired a lot of people that are remote. Some of those folks will travel in, like some account folks travel in, and we're going to try to find days where whoever's remote can come in all in one week. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do have a lot more remote folks, so we're you know, we're committed to Teams or Zoom or whatever, regardless of whether we're back in the office or not. Yeah, we're the same. We've hired people in Atlanta, in California, you know, all over the place. So that's, you know, we're not going to ask them to relocate. That's for sure. And they're doing a great job. So I think it's more figuring out on our end, how do we make sure that those who are in the office can connect with those who are out of the office in a really meaningful state-of-the-art way. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. And I I think the the benefits are that you can get um, the right talent. You know, it's not about location anymore. So Mm -hmm. um, that's been very interesting. And and once you, if you have the right talent, everything else will fall out. 
It's so true. It was very refreshing. That was one kind of bright spot within this whole mess. <laughs> so <laughs> true. Having this wider portfolio of talent to look to who were, you know, who were wanting to, to do their thing from wherever they were. And exactly. Yeah, I think the work has gotten a lot better because of it. Absolutely. So your, your team focuses so much on, you know, wellness, health and wellness advertising. Um, so are there any, you know, latest trends that you think are happening or, you know, where it's going to be in the future, particularly as it pertains to our new world existence? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, I don't know if I would call this a trend, but there's, there's something that we've been working on that I'm really, ex- I hope, I'm hoping it does become a trend. We developed something right before the pandemic hit and then carried it through during the pandemic into development. And it's called the paper prescription pill bottle. We came up with this idea thinking, gosh, you know, we're in an industry where medicine, the right medicine in the right hands makes people better. Yeah. The packaging that it comes in is terrible for the planet. There's billions and billions of these plastic prescription pill bottles that can't be recycled, that fill up these landfills, that fill up oceans. And it just seems so ironic and wrong to us. So we developed the first biodegradable, completely childproof, lightproof paper prescription pill bottle. Awesome. and open source the design and we're trialing it in a bunch of independent pharmacies right now, doing surveys, getting back responses. And it seems to be really taking off. And the thing that's so exciting about it is that it's not, it's not just an, an idea for a brand or an idea for a product or even an idea just for Saatchi Wellness or Publicis Health. It's, a, it's an idea that gets the entire industry talking about sustainability in healthcare. Yeah. Absolutely. How could you not love that? <laughs> That's great. I, I do. I, I think it's very meaningful. It's again, it's not just about a brand. It's it's about something bigger. And I love that. Thanks. So so that's something that I'm hoping becomes a trend. Um, something that I that I, I see has become a trend and I'm thrilled about it is the conversation around health equity. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, yep. It's it's something that I think about all the time for all of our all of our healthcare clients really, um, and one of one of our healthcare clients is now Walmart because they have a big health offering in their stores. And health equity is so important and it's it's something that we haven't talked a lot about until recently. But where you're where you live, what your zip code is, what your race is, what your salary is shouldn't determine when you die. It shouldn't determine what your health outcomes are. I know. And unfortunately it does. So it's really becoming um, a very hot topic that people are really thinking about. I haven't seen as many solutions to the problem yet as I, as I want to, and, and myself too, I'm racking my brain to come up with, with those solutions. And I know we'll get there, but um, it's, yeah. it's definitely out there. And it's something that people are very aware of and, and trying to address. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So this is sort of a fun question. So what has been the most surreal moment in your career? Gosh, I feel like my whole career is surreal in a way. <laughs> so many odd uh, Strange things have happened to me along the way, Tina. (laughs) 
definitely been a surreal journey. I, I would say I'll go all the way back to the start of my career. And a very surreal thing that happened is that I was taking a night class at School of Visual Arts. Uh-huh. I worked at a very, very big agency during the day as an assistant in the creative department. And I had a huge crush on this guy who was in my class. It was a life drawing class. And I was so shy. I was, I was 20 years old. I was so shy. I would never, I wouldn't, and he was a great artist and I was just starting and I was terrible. I didn't want to sit next to him. I didn't want to (laughs) be looking at him or his drawings, but I had a huge crush on him. And then one day I was at the Xerox machine in my company at my day job and there he was. And he said, aren't you that girl from Frankenberg's class? Oh, wow. And then that was it. Then we became friends. We started to walk, walk into class together. He was really, really instrumental in getting me on the right track at School of Visual Arts. I was taking classes that were, weren't really leading to an advertising portfolio. I was taking more fine arts classes and kind of, right. you know, blindly picking things out of a hat to do. And, and he really got me on the right track and got me all the best typography teachers and graphic designers and photography teachers. So that's how I met my husband, who I'm happily married to to this day. That is so awesome. I absolutely <laughs> love that. I love it. Uh, I thought you were going to say that you dated for about a year, but he made a difference in your career. I had no idea it was going to end with that was my husband. I love that. <laughs> so so awesome that is that is definitely surreal and it, it's been last it's lasted your entire career obviously so that's great what a great story what is the best advice from a mentor that has really stuck with you again i'm going to throw it back to early on in my career uh-huh. when i worked in an agency i was fairly junior and I was working on a toy account. It was very retail and I was just learning production and it was, it was, it was like a TV spot a week. It was a, it was a ton of stuff. And it was wow. great because I was really being groomed to be you know, a great art director and really learn film and editing and all that stuff. But I remember taking advice from an, a friend who worked at the same agency and, and she advised that I tell my boss that I wanted to work on some other things to get experience on different things. So I remember, I was like, really? I don't know. But then I went ahead and did it. And he said, and and this guy was a mentor and a friend. He was amazing. And he looked me in the eye and he said, I hired you to solve problems for me, not create them. Mm. (laughs) And I just remember like, not blinking when he said that because it was it just washed over me the reality of that it's like of course like right business (laughs) I was hired to do a job and I was hired to make his life easier not harder and I went off and continued my work and learned everything I needed to learn and took that experience on to you know to great ends so I'll always be grateful to him for saying that to me as as hard as it was to hear it in the moment yeah fantastic advice that I wish more people would follow today, to be honest with you. (laughs) It is so true. And I love that you 
pick things from earlier in your career because the those things really do shape us. And you know, I'm I'm gonna because you mentioned it, the thing that stuck most with me was a similar thing. It was early in my career and and um, I had started out as a graphic designer before getting into art direction and creative direction. And I was frustrated because the client didn't pick the, what I thought was the best idea. Mm. And he said, he said, it's not your money. My boss said, it's not your money. And I was <laughs> like, wow, right. <laughs> it was the same thing. It was like, yeah, like, it's well. not your money. I, was, <laughs> I was hired to come up with ideas. And at the end of the day, like I can try to push my idea, but at the end of the day, it's not my money. Exactly. <laughs> and it was, so it reminded me a lot of what you just said. And uh, it always stuck with me, you know, and sometimes hearing that harsh advice at a young age really helps, you know, it's like you said, it's hard to hear, but, you know, hearing it at a young age kind of sets you on the right path and you wish more people would hear that kind of advice and take it with the right intention. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I'm, like I said, I'm sure you're so busy. And just the fact that you took some time out to talk to me today is just so awesome and truly the best part of my day. So thank you. Oh, mine too, Tina. Totally, totally my pleasure. It was great to catch up.